Lord Jesus. I believe he's a miracle worker. I'm looking at the clock. First uh, John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Let's go over here. Praise God. You ready to eat? Amen. I meant spiritually. Ready to eat spiritually. <laughs> Glory to God. Then we'll eat naturally. And then we'll just be fully, we'll be full in every way. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the preciousness of the word of God. It is our daily food. It renews our mind. It gives light to our path. It is a lamp and a light in the darkness. It builds faith into our hearts. It unveils your will and your plan for us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to help me to deliver the word concisely, simply, powerfully, full of faith in a way that the people can easily grab hold of it and begin to be doers of it. And I pray that as they're sitting under the ministry of the word the next few moments, that, Father God, their hearts are open, their uh, minds are alert, they've got eyes and ears from you that see and hear. They'll take it in and they'll let themselves be forever changed by what they hear. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, if you were here, I ministered at the Lord's direction. I have no doubt about that. Uh, about the will of God. And he had said to me in a time of fellowship with him, in a strong way, make another appeal. Excuse me, I'm listening. I receive it. (laughs) Hallelujah. That was a good one. All right. Make an appeal to my people. To know my will, to do my will. And he said something, he said, to let my will define them. You know, the will of God should define who you are. There's nothing greater. There's nothing more worthy that you could give your life for than the will of God. Anything less than God's perfect will for your life will be less than what you could have had, what you could have done. The life you could have lived. Even if you get 100% of what you want, you will live a less than life in comparison to what God has for your life. One of the biggest lies the enemy has sold to humanity is that the will of God is somehow bad. That the will of God is somehow unfulfilling. Amen? Or that the will of God is just all this... Don't, 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 don't. Listen, if there is a don't, and there are don'ts in the word, the only reason there's a don't is because God knows, honey, if you do that, it will hurt you. God is not a killjoy. I tell our young people and our teenagers all the time as their hormones get to raging. Sex is good. I said sex is good. And sex is God's plan. He's the one who thought that up. But he said, it's not good to touch a woman if you're not married. Why? But he said, you are safe in that part of your life within the covenant boundary and protection of marriage. One man, one woman, one life. And in that, have fun, everybody. Be blessed. But the reason all the other forms 
of sexual expression out there have a don't is because God knows if you do it, it will hurt you. And it comes down to a matter of faith and humility. Not everything my flesh wants is good for me. I keep trying to tell Ryan, stop making cookies. They are my kryptonite. It is very difficult to be me to be under a roof with a cookie and the cookie not, and I know that's bad, but to not rule me. But you understand, I want things that are not good for me. You know, a cookie or two, that's not bad. But I will eat heaping spoonfuls of the cookie dough. And then when they come out fresh, I'll have another four or five. And then I'll, I'll do whatever for a few hours. And before I go to bed, I'll have another three or four. That's why I have this right here. The cookie monster. Not everything we want is good for us. You may want to drink that. That doesn't mean it's good for you. You may want to stay home and have church in your jammies on live stream, but that's not good for you. It's good for you to come to church like you did. And get dressed and put a demand on yourself and be physically present because that's what the Bible says. And he only will say that to us because it's good for you. Amen? Hallelujah. And so we were talking about the will of God. One of the things that God said to me some years ago, he just kind of broke in on me and he said, uh, you know, son, you have health. And then he said wealth. Now, let me qualify that when he said wealth. What he meant by that is you have a flow of supply coming from me into your life. Amen. And that's true. Amen. It just is true. And uh, he said you have health, you have wealth, you have protection. You have peace, you have joy, you have fulfillment, you have a wife that loves you, you have children that love me. Amen. You have all these things because you're in my will. Hear that. You have all these things because you're in my will. Teach others. They can have the same. I wanted to have a hula hoop this morning, but I understand that's a seasonal thing and but if I had a hula hoop, if there's a hula hoop on campus, I'd love to have it, but time's a ticking away. So, but if I had a hula hoop and I put that hoop on me, and that hoop represented the will of God, in that place, there's no place like that place. Now, lest you misunderstand, Satan, Brother Russell, will attack you in two seasons of your life, two occasions of your life. He will attack you when you're in the will of God and when you're out of the will of God. I wish I could stay in the hula hoop and that mean that he won't attack me. But there is a huge difference in the outcome of the attack. You know, Jesus was able to make statements like this recorded for us in the Gospels. Um, Satan is coming, but he has nothing in me. He has no part in me. One translation says, he has no power over me. Why? 
because he's in the will of God. He's doing the will of the Father. Now, you should be able to say that. God wants you to be able to say that too. Satan, he came against me, but he has nothing in me. He has no part in me, and he has no power over me. You can say that as a Christian if you're in the will of God. But listen, you step out of the will of God. How did Satan become Satan? He wasn't always Satan. He was an angelic creature, beautifully, wonderfully, perfectly created by God and given a name called Lucifer, son of the morning. But there came this moment where he said, I will. Five times, I think, in the book of Isaiah, it's recorded what Lucifer said, I will. He wanted what he wanted. And the moment he stepped out, he be, everything, he was doomed. He failed. He's fallen. He's, he's a doomed being. Well, Adam and Eve come along. God made them and put them in his will. Put them in a place, started them in a place called Eden. And Satan, he, did he know how he could hurt them? Now, were there limits to what he could do? He was totally limited. As long as Adam and as long as Eve stayed in the will of God. That serpent was no threat to them. If they stayed in the will of God. And the serpent knew the certain says that he was the, the most subtle and crafty, beguiling, deceiving creature. And so that's why Satan chose to embody the serpent. And Satan knew the only way I can harm them is to get them to step out of God's will. So he walks up and God had only given him one do not. Just one. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. All the other just have at it. That tree is mine. I call that the tithe tree. And so, of course, that's what he comes to talk to Eve about. And he says, hath God said that you can't eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden? And Eve said, no, that's not what God said. We can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we may not eat. Then she added something God didn't say, which is dangerous. She said, we can't even touch it. God never said that. And then... She said, what God said, if we do, we will surely die. Mm -hmm. Then comes the big lie. You will not surely die. Mm -hmm. And Eve took that thought. It's the same thing, honey, when the thought comes, you can have sex with that boy. Everybody is. You can do that. You can drink that down. You You don't have to be all that... Man, all that radical about all that church stuff. You know what? You know what? It's it's okay. It's a it's okay to come on. It's you know rated R movie. I mean, it's just a little nudity. It sure is quiet in here, Reverend Brett. It's the same lie. You shall not surely die. In other words, no. 
You can do that and not suffer the consequence that God said. And then she looked at the tree. And then the devil went on and, and lied about God. See, he said to her, you will not surely die. But God does know that if you eat of that fruit, you will have your eyes opened like him. And you'll be as God, knowing both good and evil. So now he's attacked not only what God said, but God's character. God's holding out on you. He's keeping you from a fuller understanding. If you eat of this, you won't die. You'll actually be like him, knowing both good and evil. Now, there's truth and a lie in that. Because when she ate of that, God said to his counsel, God said, man has eaten of the tree and now knows both good and evil like we do. So was Satan telling the truth? Yes and no. Yes and no. It is true. God did not want his man to know evil. What he meant by that is man could have at that time only an intellectual understanding of what it would mean to do something evil. But they had no experience with it. And God didn't want them to have any experience with it. Satan twisted it. And he made it sound appealing. And she bought it. And Adam bought it. And they sinned. Well, now they know both good and evil. What does that mean? They are now fully experiencing the consequences of evil. And they know evil like they didn't know it before. You see, I know evil in ways that I never want my kids to know evil. Because I did step out of God's boundaries in a lot of areas. And I suffered. I know evil in a way I never want Faith or Dakota to know evil. I, I, I felt the guilt. I experienced the shame. I cried the tears. I suffered under the weight of my choices. Something God never wanted me to know. And in that sense, he wanted to keep man from the knowledge of good and evil. But you, you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? In the will of God, there are things Satan cannot do. Plus, there are things God can never do. He will never do for a Christian outside of his will that he can do and will do for someone inside his will. Well, God's not, God's not being, he's not treating everybody the same then. That's, yes, he is. He'll treat everyone the same who does his will. And every one of us will suffer the same in the end for not doing the will of God. And in that way, we are all treated the same. Preaching good. You don't have to do God's will. You found that out. No one can make you. 
God won't even. It's, it's you. You have to decide. You have to decide whether or not you're going to know and do God's will for your life. Nobody can make you. But I am here to tell you in the appeal that God asked me to make, I have endeavored to live in the will of God since about 1994, and I have never regretted it. Amen. Now, I have veered out of the will of God, and I, once I realize that, I'm trying to get back in as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more miserable than a Christian outside the will of God. Amen. You want to know why? Because there's this thing called conviction. You all know what I'm talking about, right? I had this precious gal years ago, not judging her, just telling you what happened. She fell away from church. We didn't see her for a long time. Well, it's a small town. Eventually, stuff gets around. And someone came and said, yeah, yeah, they're attending some other church now. I said, okay, well, praise the Lord. And said, yeah, she said, I can't go to that World Harvest Church anymore. Why not? Well, because I'm too convicted when I go there. That's how I reacted. What's that tell you? She was being confronted with the will of God. She was being confronted with truth and the spirit of God in her was dealing with her. And when you're, you know where the struggle comes from as a Christian? The struggle comes from not wanting to do the will of God. If you want to not struggle... Just do the will of God. And you won't have to walk around under that. It's real simple. God doesn't want you to have to live under that either. Some people have figured out, though, that if they suppress it hard enough and long enough, that that goes away. And they're right about it. It does. Eventually... The Spirit of God leaves them alone. And Paul got real close in the Bible. He was Saul then, and he was killing Christians and persecuting Christians and acting a fool. He was not doing the will of God for his life. Finally, a blinding light appears, and the glory of God knocks him down on the road to Damascus, and he hears this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Then the voice went on and said, It is dangerous for you to kick against the goads. Now, if I look at you, I'm not preaching at you. You're just in front of me, right? If you just look straight ahead and say amen, I won't know that you're under conviction, all right? Don't accuse me of anything, all right? I'm here looking at you. You're looking at me. Just look straight ahead and go, that's that's, that's." Then you can leave here, fall across your bed, and say, Oh, Father, help me, help me. (laughs) In the Amplified Bible, in Acts chapter 9, Jesus said to Saul, Saul, it's dangerous for you to keep kicking against the goad. What does he mean to goad? You ever, you know, a, a herder will take a rod with a blunt end and use that as a goat. I want you over here, cow. It's a prod. You know, Jesus has got one of those in his hands. It's got a little hook on it. It's called a shepherd's hook. 
He's got a rod over here. That's meant for the devil. But that, but that you try to hook you with his rod. Say, no, honey, I don't want you over there. I don't want you dating that guy. And you've got this goad in you. But you want to. This is, the, this is just where rubber meets throw. This is the hardest place for the Christian. If you and I are going to do the will of God, we're going to have to submit. Oh, I know, I know I said that. You have to submit your will so you can have his. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. To stay put when you want to run. To run when you want to stay put. By the way, I need to make a correction. Wednesday night I was talking about running. I was talking about Elijah eating angel's food and I just preaching along and I told the story like he ran and didn't stop for 40. No, he ran. He didn't eat any other meal, but he, I told that story wrong. It's kind of cute and funny when like he ran and ran for 40 days and he never stopped. And I was right in front of Cody and that's the way I said it. That's wrong. My wife goes, I went and read that, honey, and I don't think that's how that happened. <laughs> so, I'm sorry I said that wrong. He didn't eat any of the meals, and he did outrun the king's chariot, but he did stop and sleep at night. <laughs> sorry. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? See, in the moment... Doing the will of God may not look good. It may not feel good. You may not want to. But you need to. It's the best thing you could ever do. And one of the greatest revelations you could ever get is this. You ready? And don't, don't let this get by you. And I'm not trying to be cute. The greatest, one of the greatest revelations you could ever get is... God is smarter than I am. Now you laugh. But when you say no to his will so you can have yours, what are you telling him? I know better. It won't work out like you say it will. God is smarter than I am. One of the things about God versus me is his view is better. Yeah. <laughs> right? He can see more than you can see. What's around that bin? He knows. He's been there. He wasn't concerned about me making a move from Oklahoma to Paducah. He'd already been there. But he didn't tell me all about it. He just said, do it. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, we better get in at least one scripture, huh? First John chapter 2. We were here last week. I'm going to read this one from the New Living Translation this time. First John 2.15. Here the, the word, this great man of God with the Holy Spirit on him, inspiring him to write, said, Do not love this world. The New Living probably on the screen. It'll read a little bit different. You might want to follow along up there. But do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, 
you do not have the love of the Father in you. Stop. Do you believe that? That's what's written. Most Christians are deceived. They think they can love the world and have the love of God in them. But what does this say? If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. They're antithetical to one another. They're in opposition to one another. See, if you really got saved, there's something in you that wants God more than everything else you were living for before. And if that's not you, I wonder about your salvation. Now, I understand we could have flesh. We all have flesh. But if, if you really have the love of the Father in you, you really got saved, the world doesn't mean to you what it meant before. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. Pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father. But are from this world. And this world is fading away. King James says it's passing away. Along with everything people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Why is there such a strong admonition against loving the world and the things in the world? Well, two things. Number one, loving the world will take you away from the Father. Number two... Even if you get everything you desire in the world, it's all fleeting. It's all passing away. The moment I drove that beautiful truck off the lot, it started rusting. That's why the value goes down. The newest of houses, pretty soon, you got to start working on it. Everything in this world because of sin is in decay. It is dominated by death. Even the Bentley, you get the Bentley if you drive it. And if you don't drive it, that's not good for it either. It's going to start breaking down. It's going to start rusting. It's just a car. It's a nice car. You get a massage in that car. But it's, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. The moment you put on that Louis Vuitton, carried that purse, it starts, it starts wearing out. You're going to have to get another one. Why put your life in the pursuit of stuff that's soon going to be ash? I'm going slow because I know I'm not going to get to all this. I'm about to quit anyway. I work so hard on these notes. I think I should get an extra offering, but it's okay. I'm kidding. Let's, uh, let's go to 1 Peter, and we'll probably have to close right here. 1 Peter chapter 2, you're just back to the left from where you are in 1 John. 
But one of the reasons why God... Now, listen, if you love God... (laughs) How many in here love God? Yeah, we love God. Have you found out that if you love God and not this world, that God will give you some stuff? Even though he knows it's just temporary. But he's okay with you having it. He will seek ye first the kingdom of God and have nothing. No fun. Just go to church, live there all day. No, hopefully even come to church is fun. I, I, like, going, I like coming to church. Either. No, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. It's not about being a Christian means not having anything, not being able to do anything. That's not that. But it's about who's got your heart, who's got your love, who's got your affection, who you're chasing. Whose will are you trying to achieve? How can someone in the church hear over and over and over again, 25 scriptures, pastors blue in the face telling you, God expects you to be present in church on a regular basis. And they fight against it. They fight against it. There's people right now watching me. They fight against it. And I love them. I'm not mad at them. But they're fighting against God's will, yet they want God's best. They want God's best. They want God to fight for them. God to answer their prayers. You're out of the will of God. And you know you're out of the will of God. See, you have a will that you will not submit to God's will. And that is a dangerous thing. It may start small, but one act out of God's will got Lucifer turned into Satan. One act out of God's will condemned all of humanity to this mess that we're in and cost Jesus his life to be able to undo it for some of us who will receive him. But I try not to judge people, be too hard on people because God's asked me to do things <laughs> that I just flat do not want to do. I want to do it and repent after. That's what I want. I don't want to love them and be sweet to them. I want to take them with Tony out of behind the woodshed and give them a good, open a big can of whoop on them. Bruise them up real good for what they did and how they acted, and then I want to lay hands on them and get them healed. That's what I want to do. Isn't that what you want to do? You want to slap somebody. God, just turn your head for just a minute. Just turn your head for just a minute. Not the will of God. Get yourself in trouble. Amen. Where are we? We're over here in First Peter trying to close, aren't we? Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. There's so much. Can you see that there's just so much here? I hope you'll come back because I bet, I bet there's more to this. So in First Peter chapter 2, verse 10, look at, what the, look at what Peter said. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens, now it doesn't mean heaven, the heavens, the the starry atmosphere, right? What's going to happen to it? 1 Peter 2.10, 
the heavens shall pass away with a great, is it, I wrote, is it second? It is second, Peter. It's not, somebody tell me. God is not the author of confusion. Did I type it correctly or not? First Peter. No, second Peter. Yes, it is. You guys don't know what Bible you're talking about here. Oh my gosh. This is on tape and everything. Second Peter chapter three, verse 10. How did I get that so wrong? I'm sorry, you guys have to put up with me. I appreciate that. Y'all try to get up here and do this week after week. Literally, are we on the same page? Second Peter chapter three. Oh, to be me. There goes my extra offering I was supposed to get. Right? There it goes. But the day of the Lord will come. You know who's really stressed out about that is whoever's behind the words back there going, that's not it, that's not it. Miss Emma's like, where's it at? <laughs> Let's try to read this so we can go eat real food here. Physical food. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt. You're talking about the periodic table you love so much, Miss Ryan? Amen. <laughs> shall melt so much, uh, with a fervent heat. Look at also, the earth also. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be? In all holy conversation, that word means lifestyle and godliness. Looking for and hastening, mean hurrying along, the coming of the day of God. We're in the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. Come on. All of this down here in the world is perishing. The tangible and the intangible works of selfishness, the empires we build unto ourselves, the monuments we build, the blogs and the posts we write about our great exploits shall all be burned. It'll all be ash. And like I said last week, the only thing in the end that's going to matter is did you or did you not do the will of God for your life? He that doeth the will of God abides forever. He remains forever. He'll live forever. It is. And God is smarter than I am. Let's make that our closing confession. God is smarter than I am. Get it in you. Get it in you.
When you read something in his word and it's like, oh, I just got slapped in the face. That is not the way I've been thinking. Tell yourself, God is smarter. So he said, bring 10% plus so offerings and you'll have more money. God is smarter than you are. God is smarter than you are. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise you happy? Yeah. Like I said, if you're under conviction, I can tell you how to get out of that. Just get in the will. Of, just stop being Jonah. <laughs> you know, remember being out of the will of God's dangerous. When Jonah confessed, he's on that ship. He said, guys, I have to tell you something. I'm out of the will of God. They pitched him overboard. Some of you, you should repent and you should go to your family. Because your family's in a storm. And you should go to them and say, I'm out of the will of God. And I've invited all this hell. And I know y'all are getting wet because of me. Please don't pitch me overboard. You don't have to do that. Just repent. If Jonah, Jonah didn't have, Jonah said, I suggest you throw me overboard. He didn't have to do that. Why didn't he just say, Father, I repent. I'll go to Nineveh. I don't want to go there, but I will. The, the sea would have gone. And the whale would have married on about his Merry way. But instead, he stubbornly said, I so hate and do not want to go to Nineveh, even though it's God's will. I'd rather be pitched over into the sea than tell you all that I was wrong. So they pitched him overboard. That's good preaching. It's dangerous for a pastor to be a pastor when he's not a pastor. Because he's got people on his ship. He's out of the will of God. He's taking people down with him. It's a danger to be in business out of the will of God and hire people. And they just joined a sinking ship because they're out of the will of God. And I can't imagine being in a marriage out of the will of God. Because there's no ship to jump off of. You're on that ship. All right, I've said enough. Praise God. Amen. You can zip up your Bible. Let's pray. Father.